Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. All right, here we go. It is another edition of the Blue Gold Report. Mike Rags back with you for another half hour to break down Notre Dame Fighting Irish football, of course. Uh, we get ready for the big Georgia game, and as always, the podcast and the show being brought to you by D.O. McComb and Son Funeral Homes. I bring up the show because if you're listening uh, in Fort Wayne, we are on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. And if you found us via podcast, just make sure you tell your friends to share us and review us and do all that kind of fun stuff. I was off last week, unfortunately, for very sad uh, news. And, and I wanted to first start the show, Todd, for thanking you to paying homage to our good friend, Ron Stryker who uh, left this earth last week, and uh, it was a tough weekend for me, but I'm glad you covered it. You did a great job. And more importantly, you made mention of uh, of our good friend. All so right. I appreciate yeah. that. And uh, we've got Georgia, number three team in the country, Notre Dame. Uh, can they finally prove that they have the medal here, Todd? And we bring in Todd Burlidge uh, from the Blue Gold Illustrated uh, lead writer there for Notre Dame Sports. How you doing, buddy? Not too bad, Rags. How are you, sir? Good. All right. Uh, they haven't fared too well since Lou Holtz left against top 10 teams here, uh, Todd. They have not, and I have all kinds of breakdowns I, for a little later in the show. I'm going to bury the lead here. I bet you do, <laughs> and uh, I know Notre Dame fans are pumped up. I'm pumped up as well. Uh, let's hope they can score enough points. So without further ado, before we get into the nuts and bolts of that game and this weekend, uh, let's go over to Todd Burlage and your blue gold nuggets. All right, four-pack rags. I'm going to start with hoops, folks, and then we will, it'll be all football. <laughs> get it out of the way. <laughs> exactly. It'll be all football all the time from there. Notre Dame did finally, finally land a senior high school recruit. This is a class of 2020 recruit. They have a lot of scholarships. Actually, Mike Bray's scholarship rhythm is really out of whack right now. They actually had no commitments last year. Um, and, and then, uh, so 2020 class, they just landed this kid. Looks like a good one, Rags. It's somebody they need. It's a 6'8", 215-pound center slash power forward guy, Elijah Taylor. Um, he's a Philly kid, so he's probably a hard-nosed kid. Uh, three-star recruit. Uh, he's rated as the number 28 center. Uh, he Let's see here. The other scholarship offers were Florida, Pitt, Seton Hall, VCU, among others. Notre Dame desperately needs more bigs, and they finally have one here so at least Mike Bray, after about a two-year absence of landing a high school senior recruit, gets one a little bit troubling on the uh, basketball recruiting front right now. All right, let's bust into some football here, a big week. Let's start with the injury report. A little bit of good news for sure. Cole Komet practiced all week, has been cleared to play against Georgia. He's obviously the star tight end for Notre Dame. A BK resisted saying whether or not he'll start. But indeed, when we got our depth chart, he was listed as number one on it. Have to wait and see. I don't know if he'll be the 40, 50 snap kind of guy, you know, being that he's still kind of rehabbing a little bit. Uh, but certainly he's going to be part of the rotation here uh, after that broken collarbone. Another broken collarbone injury. Michael Young, he suffered his broken collarbone a week after Cole Komet did. So he's running a week behind. They don't expect him to play against Georgia. He is practicing, doing some limited practice work. They expect him back next week for Virginia, so that's a little bit of good news there. Uh, Running back Jameer Smith, he did not play against New Mexico. He has a bum toe. Um, He's questionable still, and really with the depth kind of getting thinned out here with Jafar Armstrong still definitely out with that groin injury, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Jameer Smith again listed as questionable against Georgia. 
We are going to move on to ESPN Game Day here. They are going to be at the in Athens, Georgia, for the Notre Dame Georgia game. Rags has really not been a good, been a bit of a jinx for both of these teams. Uh, let's see. This will be Notre Dame's thirtieth appearance on Game Day. They are thirteen and sixteen, and Georgia it'll be their twenty-first. They're only six and fourteen when game day is on campus. It's probably mainly because they have to play Alabama <laughs> a lot of SEC games when they're out there yeah, yeah. all the time. There, um, let's see here. Moving on to where was I here? Uh, oh, this is kind of a funny one. Rags, um, one local grocery store chain there in and around Athens, Georgia. They pulled all the Irish Spring soap. Oh, that's funny. That's off, cute. Off the shelves. Um, I get it. Yeah, they posted a sign here, temporarily out of stock. Go <laughs> dogs! So Irish Spring will return, uh, but at this point, it is unavailable this weekend. So hopefully, you stocked up, and those are your blue gold nuggets. And I will say this: good thing I don't live in Athens because that is my bar soap. <laughs> I know <laughs> mine too, actually. <laughs> uh, I got a bonus um, a blue gold report, uh, a blue, blue gold nugget. Uh, uh, did you hear? 2021, they offered a scholarship to Marvin Harrison Jr., the old uh, Indianapolis Colts Hall of uh, Hall of Fame and sure. uh, the uh, the the Circle of Fame, whatever they call it down in Lucas Oil. I don't know, but he's obviously one of the great wide receivers of all time. Uh, his son is uh, currently a junior, so in two years, 2021, wide receiver, four star. Now they offered him a scholarship. He also got offers from about seven other schools, but we can cross our fingers and hope maybe he wants to stay local. Sure. He lives in Indy, uh, so we'll see what happens. He's apparently uh, four inches taller than his dad. Oh, wow. Um, and if he has half the skills his dad does, <laughs> he will be something else. So keep an eye on that. Marvin Harrison Jr. We'll see where he decides to go. All right, we we uh, let's talk about this now, uh, Todd. Um, obviously... We we made light of it a little bit before we got into it. Uh, is their record against these teams, and and uh, especially when it means the most uh, since Lou Holtz left. So uh, obviously they got the win last week, New Mexico. It wasn't all flashy, but they did. It's pretty win. flashy. Well, sixty six fourteen rags is pretty I know, flashy. But at that point, the the first half worried me a little bit because they let them hang around a little bit and they let them run the ball. And that's a problem now, Todd, especially when you're facing the big guns. We were saying, hey, their front line's going to be great, we're going to be able to run the ball, and we're going to stop the run. Well, they haven't stopped the run yet, and that's troublesome. Yeah, especially when you're talking about Louisville and New Mexico, exactly. for sure. And I think exactly- you and I might be able to try to tackle them a little bit better. And to be honest with you, when Brian Kelly laid that out, uh, we're going to run the football and stop the run. That's going to be the key to our success this year. Really, they've run the ball adequately. I wouldn't call it spectacularly, though, right. in all honesty. So, yeah, you make a good point. I think what jumped out at me the most, Rex, I think what jumped out at me more than anything in the game, the 66-14 win over New Mexico, was the improvement of Ian Book. And I think we would both agree on that. Yeah. Louisville, a little bit sketchy. Certainly bailed out, ran too much. This time he looked poised, was in the pocket, did a lot of nice things. Uh, finished up 15-24 to 24 for 360 yards and five TDs. Um, the 360 yards and the five TDs, both career highs. Now, that being said, in the first half, he was 11-19 of 19 for 251 of those yards. Rags, only three of those passes of the 19 traveled more than five yards. I know. <laughs> so I know. It's, it's, it's sort of typical Ian Book in a lot of ways. But you know what? It's efficient, and it is what it is. And Book has managed to get himself to number five overall in the country with this performance in pass efficiency, which ironically, and we'll talk about Jake Fromm, Georgia's quarterback here in a bit, Jake Fromm is number eight. But we talked to Ian Book a little bit about, you know, what did you learn? What did you see? Uh, were you satisfied with your improvement from week one to week two? 
and how does this translate to Georgia? And here's what Book had to say. I think we just got to go into it's going to be a hostile environment. We got to go in there and just play our game and focus, you know, focus on us and focus on the small details. That's what it takes to win on the road. We talk about having a road warrior mindset and that's what it's going to take for us. And um, we don't have to do anything different. We got to keep doing what we're doing, uh, keep trusting the coaches, follow our plan. And um, we've been talking about this game for a while and it feels good to win this one. And, you know, we're going to it felt good to kind of get in the rhythms what you're talking about. So when in the second and third quarter, both in Louisville and for this game to be able to keep rolling, keep scoring touchdowns, keep putting points on the board. Like I said earlier, big confidence booster for all of us. And um, I think it was really good, especially for like those the younger guys to be in there, to be in there and, you know, get some touchdowns was awesome. So it was good for everyone. You know, Rags, it's interesting because he talks about those second and third quarters against Louisville. It was 14-14 after the first. Against New Mexico, it was only 7 nothing Notre Dame after the first. In the second and third quarter of these games, they outscored Louisville 14 to nothing, and they outscored New Mexico 45-7. to So that's a combined 59-7. to That's important. But I think what's most important and pertinent this weekend is you can't go to Athens, Georgia, and get off to a sluggish start. We no. both agree on that. But I, in addition to books improvement, I think what a lot of people were talking about, and it was really the buzz of the week this week, is the newcomers. Guys we haven't heard a lot about, you know, that, that really stepped up. As a matter of fact, five guys scored their first career touchdowns against New Mexico. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, he we always have to mention him on the show. Uh, he had a 34-yard interception return for touchdown. Avery Davis had that nice shuttle pass, uh, 59-yarder. Javon McKinley, and I want to talk about him a little bit here shortly. He had two touchdowns, his first two career touchdowns, one of 65 yards and one of 20 yards. Obviously, he's the wide receiver. Sebo Flemister, your guy, one-yard TD run. And Braden Lindsey, 22-yard um, uh, pass reception there for TD. I talk about McKinley because this is something that you and I have gone back and forth on. While Michael Young is out, they were moving Chris Fink outside. It, it certainly looks like McKinley can give them that outside receiver threat sure. where they can get Fink back inside because I personally he's think— struggling. He's, he's struggling. Fink. He's not. He needs to be inside. He not not outside. Yeah, he had a decent day. He did have a touchdown catch, but yeah, indeed, um, you know, he only had one catch for two yards against Louisville. Had two catches for fifty-seven yards and the one touchdown. It was a, you know, again, it was just kind of a short pass and go. So I, I'm with you, Rags. I think Fink is ideal inside, and if they can get McKinley to emerge uh, while they wait for Young to get healthy. Uh, then indeed they're on to some. I want to see how they work that rotation against Georgia. Um, so I did want to mention that because McKinley certainly has done a nice job there uh, the last two games. And even Brian Kelly kind of called himself, I think the word was moron, uh, for not playing him more. Uh, this kid's been a little bit in, in and out of the doghouse. Uh, but but Brian Kelly did address, we, we certainly wanted to know what he thought about the new guys and does that give him confidence moving forward? And here's his take. As we got a chance to look at the film in uh, more detail, Having some players that have not played significant roles, um, you know, having them step up and, and uh, play very well was uh, was very pleasing. Overall, it was um, really uh, pleasing to watch a lot of young players get an opportunity to go in and produce. Um, and anytime you put together a uh, a win like that at home, it was uh, it was good to see. And, and it obviously will do well for us as we continue to. Uh, to move forward, um, all of those guys just needed the opportunity to go up there and make a catch. You know, there's no doubt um, competition will be greater, um, but you need to make some plays um, to build that inner confidence that you can do it all the time. Yeah, Todd, I have a problem with 
lending too much credence into the new guys. I mean, to me, these are preseason games. They're not right. real games. And the competition, like he says, will get better. This happens every year, and the tendency is three or four of these guys you never hear from again. So I don't want to get too crazy right, about these right. guys. We can't count on these guys if they sustain it especially this week and beyond against Michigan and USC and the likes, then I'll get excited. But we see it every year. I mean, oh, look at this guy. We didn't expect anything from him. And then four weeks later, yeah, there was a reason why we didn't expect anything Uh, from him. Yeah, you know what? And I think Avery Davis, who was really the flavor of the week, you know, he's bounced around, and it's a great story. You know, he came here as a quarterback, went to running back, then defense back to running back, got his first career touchdown, a 59-yarder on a shuttle pass. He was all the rage, so much so rags. The Associated Press had me do a feature story Please. on him on him this week. Well, and that's good. You got yeah. a little good. Yeah, that's so great. Get some money. <laughs> but I have to admit, while I'm writing the story, I'm thinking we may never hear from this guy again. And we, didn't we talk about him last year a little bit yeah. too? Like, hey, this is an interesting player. He's a quarterback. Maybe yeah. we'll see some things out of him. And I don't know. It, it's one of those jack of all trades, master of none. It really yeah. is. He's a terrific athlete, and he's been a real trooper, a loyal trooper, where he's willing to move around. Hey, wherever you need me, coach, I'll be there and I'll be ready to go. Uh, but, you know, where, where does that get you as far as yeah. a football career? Now, again, uh, with Jameer Smith down and Jafar Armstrong, perhaps I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm undervaluing his talent, but we'll have to wait and see. But I think you made a great point. All right. So, a lot of fans right now, and, I, and we, we talked about their their failures against big teams. A lot of fans right now are leaning on that game a couple of years ago here at Notre Dame. They were in it, they almost won it. They, you know, it kind of catapulted one team. Uh, but. They had that game against Georgia, and they kind of let it slip away, Todd. Um, so some fans are saying, hey, wait a minute. We could play them tough head-to-head and, and and maybe sneak a win out of this. I'm not sure if I agree, but it is something that they can lean back, look back on and say, hey, there's some history there against the Bulldogs that we can lean on. Yeah, you know, and again, two years ago, 2017, a 20-19 Georgia win there. Jake Fromm, I mentioned him earlier. It was his second career start. He was a true freshman at the time. They uh, they they played. Uh, he had started the previous game, so it was his first big game atmosphere. Did an adequate job. I'm working off the top of my head a little bit here, Rags. If I remember, Notre Dame was ranked 18 and Georgia was 15, if I'm not mistaken. So the stakes weren't quite as high no, as no. they were this year. Obviously, you're playing on your home field here. Notre Dame was unable to get it done. Uh, the thing that that stuck out to me in that game is, is Georgia's ability to sort of take it over late in the running game, and, I, and I'm, unfortunately, I'm a little bit concerned that that might happen again. I'm they, more than uh, concerned; I'm expecting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think their average offensive lineman, if I read it correctly, was six foot five, three hundred twenty five yeah. pounds this year. Um, so certainly a lot of bulls up front there to get it done. Yeah, I remember that game well. I was on the field. It was a heck of an atmosphere and a heck of a football game. I don't think you can put too much into it. I know a lot of guys on both teams played in it. A handful of guys played in it. I shouldn't say a lot. uh, But a lot of guys were certainly on the team at the time. I don't think you can apply a whole heck of a lot to it. But I talked about what a huge game this is, and I think it really shows up in the ticket prices. I thought this was kind of interesting. The average ticket price for this game, and trust me, this has been one of the most hyped games so far in all of college football already. Absolutely. The average ticket price on the secondary market is $611. That's pretty impressive when you're even including the upper bowl stuff there. So you can get one. It's going to cost you a little bit of money. It's not only the highest-priced game so far. Well, here, before I do that, let me give you a little comparison, Rags. 
if you if you know, which I'm sure you do, number 11, Michigan, plays at number 13, Wisconsin this weekend, this weekend as well. Yes. Average ticket price for that, $185, wow. <laughs> compared to, again, 611 yeah. for Notre Dame. So it's not only so far this season the number one high-priced ticket but it's also one of the last, one of the top five in the last five years, and I'm going to run down this list because I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, Georgia versus Auburn in 2017 went for $784. That was an SEC championship game. Georgia versus Alabama, imagine that, right? Uh, in 2018, went for a 655. That was another SEC championship game. We're dealing with Georgia and Notre Dame. Georgia at Notre Dame in 17 went for 619. Obviously, uh, just a great game between two traditional programs. And now this one ranks fourth, Notre Dame versus Georgia, 611, as I mentioned. And number five is Alabama versus LSU. That was that kickoff classic that that, that started the season down there. I believe it was in Atlanta uh, for 599. Ironically, this is the first time, it's the first non-conference top 10 matchup in Sanford Stadium at in Athens, Georgia, since 1966. I believe that. Yeah, that, that would make some sense. I mean, you play a lot of non-conference, you play some cookie cutters, and sure. most of the times you play those top 10 teams are going to be in your own conference. But yeah, that's, but yet still, that is pretty, I mean, we're talking over 50 years. Right. Uh, yeah, that was before I was even born. <laughs> Me just, too. Just, just barely. Just barely. <laughs> yeah, I snuck in under the gun there too. <laughs> yeah, but it was number five, Georgia beat number seven, Georgia Tech, so... What's also interesting to me about this game is Notre Dame promised Georgia 8,000 seats to come up here. Well, they ended up bringing about 30,000, oh if you remember correctly. Yeah. <laughs> they rented that place out. So Georgia had to return the favor and give Notre Dame its 8,000 tickets. They, they couldn't do it. So they had to put in these temporary bleachers oh, really? for 5,000 seats. The all-time stadium record there at Sanford Stadium is 93,000. 246. That's the record. So expect with the extra five, or five, uh, 500 seats there that they should bust that record. So I just thought that kind of went to uh, speaking to what a hot ticket is. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, all right. Well, you know, what's funny is with these, uh, everybody, the, the quarterbacks, the rave in college football, you know, Jake Fromm, he used to be the rage. It seems like now uh, all the prognosticators and writers. They feast on underclassmen. And once sure. you get older... Right, rightfully so, yeah, they, I guess. Yeah, they're exciting, and a lot of them are great. But you almost forget about these upperclassmen yeah. quarterbacks that have some time in them, that have won some big games, that can still produce, i.e. Jake Fromm. And you know what? He is something... You know, we worry about that off the defensive line in the running game, but Fromm can put up numbers and win games on his arm. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, and, and Brian Kelly actually raved for about 11 straight minutes to start his press conference on Monday about just just listen position by position how deep and talented Georgia is. Yeah, he honestly considers it about the best opponent he's ever faced. But we did ask him, so if you had to really single one thing out, what makes Georgia so good? The quarterback. The quarterback. He's efficient. He's um, unflappable. Um, you can pressure him, and he doesn't panic. He makes great decisions. Um, he's sound with the ball. Um, and, and it generally, look, when you get down to the really great teams, uh, you're going to get Trevor Lawrence. You're going to get, um, you know, you're going to get the great quarterbacks are going to be the reason why they, they start to separate. And, and Fromm is one of those guys that's, that, that gets you to start to separate. Yeah, well, that's what I'm talking about here, right? Sure. I mean, he actually brings up some of the underclassmen while he's uh, comparing them to other people, too. And uh, so, Todd, that is something 
uh, definitely have to worry about. And I just don't know if they can match up point-wise uh, offensively uh, because they don't match up player-to-player player with their offensive skill positions. No, and they really don't. You don't think so anyways. And, and you know, Georgia hasn't exactly played a killer schedule yet no. like Notre Dame has. It. And really, not a, that's not a knock on Georgia or Notre Dame. You, know, you need tune-ups before these games. Georgia's 3-0. Uh, beat Vanderbilt 30 to six, Murray State 63 17, and then Arkansas State last week 55 to nothing. So you you don't really know. There's not a lot to hang your hat on. I'll tell you what I've been hanging my hat on though. As you talk about no, the the tall uphill battle Notre Dame faces, I, I just I'm having a tough time uh, looking. The, the history lesson is what's getting me. I mean, this is crazy. Brian Kelly in Bad. his in his nine full seasons here because he hasn't played a top ten team yet this year, obviously. He's sixteen and eighteen against ranked teams, three and seven against top ten teams, and zero and four against top five teams. He's zero and six in his career if you go back to Cincinnati um, there. But Notre Dame, I mean, Brian Kelly's not alone. No, and he you, isn't. You mentioned it at the top of the show, and I'm glad you did. Since 1998, that was Bob Davies' second year replacing Lou Holtz, as you mentioned. Uh, Notre Dame is one and sixteen, one and sixteen against top five opponents. Uh, they only win was against number 3 Michigan in 2005, Charlie Weiss' first year here. So let me run down those four real quick that Brian Kelly has coached. Uh, Number 4 Stanford in 2011. Number 2 Alabama, obviously the national championship game after the 2012 season. Number 2 Florida State, the game we'll all all remember there. Um, And then number 2 Clemson last year. Brian Kelly has lost all four of those by an average score of 33-14. to The only one that hasn't been a blowout was the 21-17 game at Florida State. So certainly when you look at history, it is not on Brian Kelly's side. And you're talking about in Athens, Georgia, uh, not on some neutral Todd, site. since 1988, the last time they won when Lou Holtz left, they're 36-51 and 51 against ranked opponents. So 8-28 and 28 against top 10 teams. And they've had two victories against top 10 teams since he's left. Do you know who they are? Uh, you're talking about Brian Kelly? Anybody. Any Notre Dame coach since Lou Holtz left. Notre, uh, they beat Stanford 2012 and Michigan in 2002 and no one else in the top 10. A finished top 10 at the end of the year. Oh, finished. Okay, I yeah. got you. Yes. Yeah, finished yeah. top 10 at the end of the year. Just two teams. Exactly. Because and let's look at the last three years. You've got the biggest games they played. Obviously, that playoff game, that Miami game, right. and the Ohio State game. Right. The last three years, three of the biggest games that Brian Kelly's ever coached. Yeah, let's throw Clemson in there. Well, yeah, the, <laughs> uh, the blowouts in right. all three, and that is why I'm a little worried. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't realize you were talking about the final, final AP Yeah, final poll. AP poll, top 10 team, yes. Because I mentioned that 2005 Michigan win. Yeah. Michigan didn't end up having a very good season that year. No. You, you know, so there, I, I, did, I did a story on Brian Kelly's marquee wins, and a lot of them, you thought they were going to be a marquee win, and then the team tanked, the opponent tanked. Now, some of that may have to do with Notre Dame beating them, but still, you make a great point there. I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't quite aware and it, that it, there were only two. And the 28 losses since Lou Holtz left, they're 8 and 28, top 10 teams. The, the, the margin of victory is 35 to 15. Wow. So they've gotten slaughtered. So, you know, when a lot of people scoff at the fact, well, Notre Dame, they can't play with the big boys. Oh, it's cute that they're undefeated, but once they're, you know, their schedule always blah, 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 blah. These are the reasons why people feel that way. And that brings me right into what I want to talk about next is that and for all those reasons you're giving and for what we've seen in recent history with the Alabama loss and the national championship game and then the 33 loss uh, to uh, Clemson this past season in the playoffs. 
That's why this becomes a must-win for Notre Dame. I agree. There's no doubt about it, I mean, because there's just no power on the schedule, period. I mean, it, it, it's a shame, not necessarily their fault, No, uh, but you can't lose this game. Uh, Notre Dame only has three teams in the current top 25, and this is based on the athletic. They, they rank uh, every all of the 130 teams. Uh, Georgia, they have six, Michigan 16, and Virginia 18. That's, the, that's, that's your power for Notre Dame right there for, on its schedule. Uh, the two wins Notre Dame has, 73 Louisville and 125 New Mexico. Okay, Bowling Green is 119. USC is only 38. But here, Braggs, and this is what we talk about quite a bit when you talk about no conference championship game. So you have to go to Notre Dame's November schedule. Can they finish with any momentum? Doesn't look that way. Virginia Tech ranks 72. Duke ranks 74. Navy ranked 57, uh, BC ranked 71, and Stanford 62. That's your November slate right there. You know, Todd, it's almost you look at it and you're like, they almost have to make a statement this game, not just win it. They almost have to make a statement to say, hey, we're here, and then go beat Michigan there, and then take care of USC. Like they, like to win these big games, yeah. they got to win pretty definitively because I don't necessarily agree this year an undefeated Notre Dame team is getting into the playoff, especially the way they've represented themselves lately in big games. I, this would be the only uh, – This you're right. Rags, I hadn't thought about that in all honesty, that they not only do they have to win, they have to really look good. Sure. Style they points. Style winning, points. Style yeah. points winning at Georgia. Hmm, that's a tall order well, for sure. Well, just think how long away that would go. Because sure. I think if they did that, they can withstand a loss later on. That's how good. That's how much I believe if they make a statement here. Mm. I'm saying if they lose a game, if they lose to Michigan at the big house on a last-second field goal and Michigan's in the top five. No chance. I, I, I don't know. No way. If they win, I, I, well, you're probably right. But a statement win is really... That would go a long way towards shutting up some critics. There's no other power on your schedule. True. So I don't know how you could go to Michigan later in the season now we're talking and lose. You're going to drop. And I so, think Michigan's going to lose this week. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. Anyway, and, and, yeah. And Michigan certainly hasn't you know raised raised any eyebrows. See, like, Army. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, what a power Michigan looks like. I, I just don't see it, Rags. This is a must-win. This is a playoff game for Notre Dame. So Hard to argue. Yeah, so how, Brian, how the hell do you prepare for this thing? That's a good question. They know that we have to prepare for the kind of environment that they're going to go into, and we'll address it today. We'll work on it during the week. We've got an indoor facility that uh, uh, will be – you guys have been in there. We, we can make that as loud as we want it to. It's going to be hot here, too, so the weather will be warm. So there won't be any excuses in, relative to acclimatizing to the weather conditions. Um, so we'll prepare them for all those. But the most important thing will be how we prepare. I mean, it'll be in our preparation. If we do a great job preparing, we can go play the game and play fast and play free, and then the best team wins. Um, so it, it'll be in our preparation. It won't be because the crowd was loud or the the that it was hot or it'll be because they executed better than we executed so at the end of the day it'll still be about our preparation and how we execute actually i'll look at it as like they have more players than we we do i'll say we but uh that'll be the reason why now if they play up and above uh and match the level of intensity i think they got a shot but todd i just look at the up front, and I can't see him stopping the run t- tomorrow. And I'm, I'm looking at like 38 14 
Georgia here. I don't want to say it, but I unfortunately think it's going to go down that road. Yeah, I think we're going to see more of the same rags. I I, I, I want to disagree with you, but it's hard to. I, I think Notre Dame keeps it close early, but just over time, I think Georgia kind of grinds them down. We always talk about turnovers and all that BS, but you know, I it just I, I just don't see it happening with this discipline and solid team. Uh, Georgia's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. That's a big spread, too. <laughs> That's I know. a huge spread. I'm, I'm kind of right with you, because yeah. I wrote down before you did yours, I have 35-17 Georgia. Yeah, well, maybe this is, like I said, a statement game and an emergence of Ian Book, and we're talking something different next week. We'll see what happens, Todd. I hope we're wrong. We hope we're wrong. I typically am. <laughs> That's good. You do have that working for you fans out there, no <laughs> doubt about it. All right, Todd, we'll do this all over again next week. Okay, pal? All right, sounds good, Rex. Blue Gold Report brought to you by D.O. McComb Son Funeral Homes. Hey, make sure you rate and review us and share us and thanks for listening on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM This has been a presentation of Opt-In Productions Podcasts by Federated Media Podcasts by Federated Media